0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Aisha Torah in the Old City of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. And please go online and join the Yom Tov media club. <laughs> com. Yom com. Get on there and be part of the club. Mmm. What should we do today? <laughs> I some Kabbalah. You want some Kabbalah? Yeah, it's some spiritual stuff. Mm-hmm. Spiritual stuff. See, I see. Uh, I, I always do very practical stuff, and uh, and sometimes I do more kabbalistic stuff, and then bring it down to the practical. Uh, but I but I am always afraid of boring myself. No, just because like I don't like to repeat classes ever, and I don't have any repeat classes or, but I do have a lot of good launching pads and uh and they're they're quite kabbalistic as well, so let's think how we can launch this ship um You think you're here right now. <laughs> but I am here. <laughs> and and Aviva just said, but I am here. But I would, I'd be nervous to ask her what the I is when you are here. And it turns out that, there are, that our accomplices tell us that when you say I, there are actually five levels of the I. It, actually, it has five levels to it. And the lowest level is called the Nefesh. And then the, the level above that is called the Ruach. And the level above that is called the Neshama. And the level above that is called the Chaya. And the level above that, above that is called the Yechida. So when you say, I'm here, you're making a gigantic Kabbalistic statement. And by the way, none of those are your body. No offense. But the, all the eye of that is you. None of it is your body. Just none of it. Like if we if we did a brain scan of you and looked through your brain, all we'd see was would be microscopic neurons in your brain. And I don't think you're a neuron. I mean, have you guys ever seen a neuron? You know, it's just kind of like a it's a microscopic thing with a bunch of tentacles that go to the other ones. You know, if you're a neuron, you're having a bad hair day. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not a neuron so you're not in your brain and brain scientists already know we're not in our brain meaning your true consciousness is not in your brain so I love this question I I heard it said, asked once and it really gets you right to the point are you aware that you're aware? are you right now? I'm asking you seriously, I know the answer is yes but I want you to think about this question are you aware that you're aware? I think so everything is relative so definitely not 100% no but are are you aware that you're aware like for example you have you're you're aware that you're aware of being in this classroom yes you have a you have a mental awareness where your brain has the imprint of the walls and the board and the teacher and the your your brain's aware of that and it's reporting that to you so you're aware of your awareness you get that cuz your your point of reference called you is not available in the brain, it doesn't show up anywhere in your brain. Your point of reference is not there. Your point of reference is a purely spiritual consciousness. That's the I. That point of reference is the I. Now, likely, the point of reference that you call I is is actually the very bottom of a long system called Nefesh, which then interfaces with a long system called Ruach, which then interfaces with a long system called Neshama, which interfaces with a long thing called Chaya, into, and then finally interfaces with something called Yehida. In the world of Yechida, we're all totally united. So like everyone like put your feet on the floor, two feet on the floor for a second. If you have your legs crossed, just give that up for a moment. Put your feet on the floor. And I want you to imagine, close your eyes a minute, I'll close mine too for your own privacy close your eyes for a moment and imagine that your feet are going through the ground like roots of a tree. And really it turns out that we're all part of one root system. So all of us, the actual trunk of the tree underneath the ground is one trunk that we're all connected to. It's just one organism. It's a giant organism. And now open up your eyes (laughs) and realize that you're part of this organism and all these people are totally connected to you. (laughs) Wasn't that fun? So, (laughs) I've never done that before, by the way. That's what I'm talking about, like, I'm easily bored so I can never do things too often, twice, or... And I love to do new things. So... You understand, like, we're all part of this organism. So that's the highest level. That's called Yechida. That's the part where there is absolutely no distinction between you and anyone else. And that's the highest part of the eye. But that's all part of the eye. You aren't aware of that part of your eye. But it could be at times you felt that kind of oneness with someone. Maybe. Maybe you felt that kind of connectivity with someone. Under that, under that ultimate eye is the the chaya, the chaya, which sounds like life, right? Chay, like life. So the chaya is is the is your special purpose in this world. Like it's what you're doing here. Like what you're supposed to do in this world. And why is it called life? Because when you know what you're supposed to be doing, you get excited. You get inspired. You get motivated. You get moving. Like you just, you know, people who know what they're doing here never get tired of it. They never get tired. You can find them years later still doing it. They're they're permanently inspired because they've connected to the Chaya. They're connected to their special purpose in this world. Which is really nice. And you should know that you don't have to necessarily be doing it. It could be enough that you work and pay for others to do it. Meaning like I myself have found my special purpose, but I also put money down whenever I love someone else's. Sometimes I meet someone I'm like, I just love what you do. And he's like, well, let me sell you a website with a PayPal account. And I'm like, okay, I'm down. And I just join up. That's the way I like to do it. I like to have little eggs in different baskets. You know, I lo- some horses, I just love the way they run. And and I want to put my money on that horse. I feel like that horse is going to be a good finisher. And so I just want a little piece. I can put a lot. I put 10 bucks a month or something, some repeated thing, 18 bucks a month. But I, once in a while, though, I get my, my secretary stops me. <laughs> Meaning, she'll like, at the end of the year, she'll look at what's going on with me and she'll just be like, Can I just tell you how much money's hemorrhaging out of your bank account? <laughs> and then she asks me to start describing who these people are. And I'm like, Well, just read the list. I'll tell you who each person is. And she reads the list and she's like, Can you get rid of that one? I'm like, No way. Can't get rid of this one. How about this one? Nah, we can't get rid of that one. Do you know who that is? She's like, I don't even want to hear it. How about this one? And in the end, they're all still there. And then, then, and then I add, and add. And some are organizations, some are communities, and some are synagogues, and some are. But some are just people with great dreams, and I want to be part of that. You know, I buy everyone's book who writes a book, and then I usually hand it to someone because I'm the biggest snob as a reader that I cannot stand. If it's not excellent writing, I cannot read it. And so I buy the book, I glance at like one paragraph, and then I hand it to someone. But this is somebody's offering. This their offering. Like, just like someone brings an offering to the temple. Can you imagine you brought an offering to the temple, and the coin's just like, (laughs) that? This person came up to me and said, hey, I wrote a book. Would you like to buy it? The answer is yes. Yes, you wrote a book. You you took something out of you and put it in this world. I'm buying it. I would write a one million book. You cannot say no. <laughs> write a million books. Eh? And, uh, and uh, CDs, music CDs, oh my gosh. For some reason, like, great musicians, great secular musicians who become observant, they always have to make at least one Jewish album to, like, sanctify their, all the other albums. You know what I mean? It's kind of their, it's their offering to God. Yeah. So uh, these albums, you can't, even, you can't even listen to them. I mean, try listening to God Rock. You know, <laughs> you just can't listen to God Rock. So I buy the uh, CD. I'll pop it in my stereo, just to see if I'll get surprised by it. And, and then I just take the CD and I hand it to somebody and let them read, listen, let them hear it for a while. And then you never listen to it again. And you, all of that is called your chaya. That's the chaya, and that's that's why you'll notice it's pretty hard to find the real reason it's hard to find is more for my uh, my seminar guys in the back they know why it's hard to find it's because they got, uh, got Evan the reason it's hard to find for most people is because they they got so much in the way of the natural self so they never find it because your natural self points you to your God's not so cruel okay he, he created in you and nature that lends itself towards your contribution Sadly, though, no one's ever met their nature because it's under many, many wraps that I'm not going to get into now. But that's the work I do, is help people unravel the, the, what, got the, what got in the way, the barrier between them and their purpose. That's so why it sometimes saddens me when when I meet people who they think they found their special purpose by becoming observant Jews. and And I'm like... Every Jew has two purposes. We got a macro purpose, and that's like to say Amen at the appropriate times, you know, and to make blessings and to do mitzvahs. And that's our, but that's a generic mission. It has nothing to do with you. understand? That's why, I know I've said this a million times, but that's why our Talit, the, our prayer shawl, has the black lines on it. Because those black lines are barcode. So God knows who's praying because it doesn't matter who's praying. You know, you have to understand that I pr- I will pray this afternoon, mincha, whether I'm feeling it or whether I'm not feeling it because it has nothing to do with me. And I'm not even in that prayer. Everything's plural. Right? Elokeinu, our God. It's not my God in that, in that. Right? It's our God. And the whole thing's plural. It has nothing to do with me. I am just... I am just a, I'm part of this nation of priests. What's a priest? We're called Mamlechas Kohanim, a nation of priests. What's a priest? A priest is someone who's an intermediary. So it happens that Judaism doesn't have a clergy, because meaning it's when the temple's destroyed, we don't have the Kohanim being our intermediary with God. We do have great holy rabbis that can do this. But other than that, we, the entire nation of Israel, are the intermediaries for the planet. And therefore, we have to pray our three times a day, despite whether or not we feel like it, because everyone else needs it. Not only did everyone else need it, you ready for this? It says in the Kabbalah that every mineral, plant, vegetable, and there are a certain amount of Gentiles for every Jew on earth that get their divine sustenance through that Jew which is wild it's really wild so like if you do the math if you do the math uh, anyone has Siri here or uh, uh, someone have an iPhone here ask Siri what is uh, 7 billion divided by 13 million okay. <laughs> what is 7 billion divided by 13 million 13 million, 13 million. billion 17 million divided by 13 no, million. No, 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 no. Start again. What is 7 billion divided by 13 million? Here we're going to find out how many Gentiles per Jew. You know, or you already know the answer. What is it again? 7, Seven million. billion divided, Seven million divided by 13 million. million. This dude's been smoking so much cannabis, <laughs> I cannot believe it. Why don't you say it first before you start recording it? It's okay, like 538 and a half. Thank you so much. So, 538 and a half? Is that possible? That's not possible. It's 5 and 38? 0. 46, 0. Oh, okay, fine. I don't want to look at a 0.6 guy. So, in other words, 738 you said? So there's 538. Well, let's say 540. Every Jewish person, ready for this? Every Jewish person, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make fun of your cannabis use. I but you should definitely take a break. You need like at least three months clean. Three months. We can discuss what happens after the three months. <laughs> you have to... Tr- what's your name? Mayor. Mayor, you have to treat yourself, if I can quote Jordan Peterson, you have to treat yourself as someone who's worth caring for. Understand, there are people you care for so much better than you'll care for yourself. You have to treat yourself as one of those people that's worth caring for. We can't treat ourselves less than that. We have to treat ourselves as if we're someone who's worth caring for. Because we do that with other people. So we have to treat ourselves also as someone worth caring for. And, and, and the, the, I have a whole... Oh, did you hear my class on cannabis last week? No, I was not here. Check it out, man. Last Sunday... Last Sunday, I did a, one of the, the quintessential classes on cannabis. I've taught a lot of classes on cannabis. This is probably, it's not my best because I taught some really funny ones that really go into the details, but this one is the one that someone should seriously consider if they're a regular smoker of cannabis. This this is the one to watch. Anyway, the, um, what were we talking about? we're dividing these numbers you have 540 Gentiles counting on you now it says that in the times of the messianic era when Mashiach comes the messianic era comes and by the way it might be just the era and not the Mashiach himself it could be just the period because it's called Yemosa Mashiach Judaism does not focus on the guy Judaism focuses on the period of time because we're not interested in that I know Gentiles have made a really big deal out of a guy we have we care about people not a guy and we care about the goodness that comes from the level of leadership like Gandhi on steroids okay we like that kind of leadership we like the kind of leadership that unites people that gets people to lay down their guns to take their swords and wind up harvesting food for people with them yeah, that's the kind of... That's the kind of... Par- that's the kind of world we want. And we're not interested in who... You know what? If it, Let it be a girl. Let it be this girl. What's your name? Alexa. Alexa? That's a rough name these days. I know. But Eden makes up for it. It's Alexa Eden. Oh. Uh, thank God. Yeah. So it doesn't mess up when you're in, no. a, in an Alexa home? It, it does. It does. <laughs> so anyways Alexa Eden if Alexa Eden could pull off that level of leadership I vote for her as Michelle you understand it, that's, that's what we care about and, and by the way she has to be from the house of David but I I mean even though we know traditionally that's not gonna it's not gonna be someone who's not from the house of David but I, who, who, any of you would give that up to have world peace <laughs> like I'd give it up I'd give it up. Let let Alexei Eden be Mashiach, and we'll, we'll give up the, we'll give all up. I give up all every detail Mashiach's supposed to be, just to get, just to get peace in the world, and to have have this embarrassment of our, our planet, like actually be something worth being proud of. You know, I mean, what, what abundance we have on this planet, and we just can't seem to figure it out. <laughs> like, when are we ever going to figure this out? You know, this tremendous abundance that's like way more than the, the civilization that lives on it needs. even with our growing population. You know, it's just we have extra, but we can't seem to figure out how to share it, which is how we started this class before I went on the live feed, of where parents won't even share it with their own children. They'd rather die and have it sent to them when they can't even watch their children enjoy it. You know, I mean, if we can't even get it straight in our own homes, how are we expecting strangers to figure this out? So we need Mashiach. We really need a messianic era. We need to get to that place, badly, badly. And you, and you want to know something that starts with you, all of you, It starts with you. Start acting as if, start acting as if you can make that kind of difference. Why not? I mean, at least you go to bed feeling pretty good about yourself people could certainly use a little shot in the arm to feel better about themselves. And how much better would you feel about yourself if you spent at least a portion of your day trying to figure out other people's issues? Maybe you could, maybe you could pick something up off the ground while you walk down the street. You know, not that it'll make a dent, but it'll make a dent for that ball or you know, whatever. Uh, so, so the Chaya the chaya, this second level of our soul is where all the inspiration is. That's where motivation is. That's, and this is something worth finding. And, and if it requires an extremely painful strip down of everything you thought you were, if you're going to have to strip that thing down, it is painful. But it's worth it because on the other side of that is tremendous energy and motivation. How does a person, does a person what? Well, the the um, the first step is to strip, figure out who you're. Oh, I got it. Okay. She asks, how does a person do that? To... So the first thing is to figure out who you're not, which is ninety percent of who you are. <laughs> so all that will be left is about two percent, if you're lucky, that that's who you actually are. So, so that, yeah, <laughs> so that's that's the first move we got to make. There's a spot right next to this guy. Can he sit there? Next to you. Oh, come sit. I was sitting next to this dude. This dude's cool. He's my he's my friend. But but this you speak French? Yeah. You speak French? You speak French too. Should I just switch? You speak French? This woman looks like she's straight from Paris, but. Are you from Paris? She's not from Paris. Where are you from? ukraine but we live in new york now originally from ukraine nice nice okay. i've been in the ukraine yeah okay anyway so the way we find out um the way we find out is first we get we got to do a lot of uh what's called uh satira so live what Well, first, there's a couple things we've got to do. I don't want to go into a whole class on that, on how to find it, but I do many classes on this subject, of how to find your special purpose. And and what I was saying before is that your true natural personality, if you can get down to it, will tell you volumes about what you're supposed to do in this world. It'll tell you so much about what you're supposed to do. But again, all of us have a million voices in our head. This is why, this is why in the... uh, Shalom how many, Aleichem. How many people were seating here? How are you doing? Welcome back. We're just visiting. Come here in the back. Stand in the back for one thing. I'm, I'm just going to say one thing. Hi, welcome. Shalom. So, so one thing. What someone asked in the class, this woman in the back of the class asked, how do you find out what you're here for? Like, how do you find out what you're supposed to do? And so my answer was that, that we have so many voices in our head from so many people and so many things and our parents and our culture and it's hard to get clear what that is what that thing is so Judaism whenever you go into Hebrew it always gives you the hint it always tells you the answer and the answer is that you have to get to a quiet place you have to have your own quiet place and that quiet place in the in Hebrew is called the midbar the word midbar is the word for the wilderness, okay? The wilderness is called the midbar. And, but it's also the word midbar, which means to speak. So the word wilderness and the word speak is the same word. It's the same thing. Now, what's interesting about that is that when you go in the wilderness, the only voice out there is yours. That's all you got. Welcome. The only voice you have in the wilderness is your own voice. That's all there is, and and the the prophets. <laughs> Thanks for knocking over the oligarch's wife. That was great. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They, they were they were actually like they were, they were so ready to leave as soon as they walked in. But it was pretty it was pretty funny to watch the door just like bang right into the lady. Yeah. So. That was classic. So, so you did. You did great, especially if you heard the rest of this class. You knocked doors into oligarchs. Okay, now usually people don't stand there. I know. So, so listen up. In the desert, in the midbar, is where you hear your voice. But guess whose voice? If you spend enough time in the desert, whose voice do you also hear? Uh, Start to hear God's voice. And that's why you'll notice that all the seven shepherds of Israel, all the seven shepherds of Israel, meaning all our luminaries, total, total hardcore prophets, were shepherds. And they spent their time in the Midbar. And in the Midbar, their voice, all the other voices are gone. No, whose voice do you hear in the Midbar? Nobody. You hear the voices of birds, maybe the voice of animals, maybe how the wind plays in the trees. You know, like a like a wind instrument, but you don't hear voices except for your own. But if you spend enough time in there, you eventually start to you can hear the voice of God in the wilderness. And think about it: Abraham, shepherd; Isaac, shepherd; Jacob, shepherd; Moses, shepherd; uh, Aaron, shepherd; Joseph, shepherd; King David, King David started his career out as a shepherd. What's that? Isn't it just because of that? That's very helpful, too. But still, society. <laughs> shepherds aren't in society. I, I meet shepherds while I'm mountain biking all the time. I mean, they're really out there. Yeah, I don't know this question would be overthinking it, because I, I really love this concept of getting quiet, and that's how you find what your place in this crazy world. And the concept of going to the desert, or a more nature-esque location, as opposed to around stones and buildings. Um, does the Torah have any delineation between a nature landscape such as a desert versus a nature landscape such as, like, greenery and mountains? Because I know that in my personal life, I'm, I don't really spend any time in deserts versus I just go into nature, which is, like, usually mountainous. Mountainous um, with trees and stuff. Well, that, well, desert is, does mountains, is, is that but that it doesn't say, do trees. Or, or does Judaism say, listen, go desert if you can so, like Joshua. I'm just, I, I yeah, just, so it's a crazy So, question. no, midbar means, I know in Hebrew that we think of midbar, we think of the Negev, which is from the word magevot. It means dry, like dry. a Because the word for towel is mag, magevit. Interesting. And it's the Negev, where it's dry. Um, but but certainly our sages who lived in the north, near spot. So no we're practices. we're in the forest. You don't have to be in the desert okay. to do that, okay. and, and I mean, at, I that at that. all. And the great the great Kabbalists of Europe, of the Hasidic movement, the Balshemtov, and they spent a lot of time in the forests of the Ukraine, mm-hmm. mostly in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there, once you're in the forests of the Ukraine and those different areas, you're you're also in a in a you know, you're in a quiet place you're in a magical place you're in a you know and, and you get to know people in there <laughs> I mean there's there's people who have been living there for thousands of years who have great wisdom and you get to meet them and the uh, they, there are documents that say that the Baal Shem Tov was very close with some shamanic tribes that were in the jungle, in the forests of Europe some what tribes? shamanic Shamanic means they use plant medicines in their service of spirituality. Okay. And there was even uh, there's even in one of the municipalities in uh, I think in the Ukraine maybe maybe it was in the municipality in Poland has the Balshemto listed there, meaning as a citizen he was listed there, and by his name it sa- he was called a shaman. He himself was called a shaman, yeah, which means a medicine chief, someone who's a master of of the different vegetations that cause different moves in your body and in your soul and your spirit, you know, plants that move you. So, so apparently he had this knowledge. Although it could be, I mean, it's a municipality. It could be they're just like, that's the most spiritual dude I ever met, shaman. You know, like we're just gonna call him a shaman, and it could be he had no connection to those shamans. But, but there, but if you follow some of those stories, you see like some pretty funky stuffs going on in a visionary way. You know like even his even his wagon driver whose name was alexa yeah <laughs> You're or Lexi, alexi? Alexi. 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 alexi 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 even his wagon driver who is alexi the the tradition has it you want to tell everybody what's the tradition she's chewing what no he drove backwards he drove he would drive i mean he had a horse-drawn thing racing around from town to town in emergencies and into the mountains and he would, face the, he would face backwards. He would face the Baal Shem Tov, and the horses would take them to wherever they needed to go. But I also heard that um, he also would. whenever like you uh, would give him all his vodka, he'd fall asleep and the wagon would fly. Oh, they would make him fall asleep and then the wagon would start flying? <gasps> <gasps> anyway, when I hear stories like that, when I hear stories like that, obviously it begs to, it begs my reason to to think such things existed and definitely lends itself a lot more to that plant medicines were involved with these guys. <laughs> I mean, I've also been in a couple flying wagons before, you know. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, but all that has to do with the Chaya. Now, the next is the Neshama. And... And the, the neshama is the, it's the soul that we actually call our soul. Um, when you think about the neshama, it's really the, the soul of your... Meaning it's your... Let's call it like this. It's your fiber optic link out of the, this finite world into the spiritual rural, world. It's, the soul is the link to... The neshama is the link out of here... Um, our neshamas are also very in common. Nishomas aren't male or female. They have no gender to them. And they are... Um, and they are it, it is just... It's just that eternal... The eternal you. you know, it's the you that's forever. Yeah. So it be not being male or female. When it does recombine with a soulmate, it's still it's like still one and the same. It didn't matter if it was like a separate piece. It's just it's a separate of the same, but it doesn't. It's not male or female. Yeah, and I was thinking about it recently that I was thinking about it that when you're married to, even if you're not married to someone, think how much of you is male and how much of you is female. It's bizarre. Like like there, I know males like male anatomy men that have a lot more female going on than them, and I know female is a lot more male going on and what's interesting they're usually married to each other (laughs) it just works you know it just works it's male always likes female that's why you'll notice in homosexual couples there's usually one is the male and one is the female meaning what do I mean by male male in in uh, mysticism always means causer and female always means receiver causer and receiver now, the only reason our bodies are called male and female is because one's clearly designed for cause and one's clearly designed for receive. And we're built that way. So that's the actual anatomy. That's why certain people are called male and, and the other half are called females because of the actual physical body. But think about this. Like, who's to nurture somebody? Male or female? It's male. To nurture somebody is male. You're in a process of giving, you're in a process of of flowing towards another. That's male, which is really weird. It's really weird, and it's the one that females are best at. You know, they're they're a lot more giving than males are, which is a good thing that females are, it's a good thing that females are built that way, otherwise, you know, what would happen to the babies? You know, but, but think about it. When I get home and my wife's busy putting food on the table and she's giving this, she's giving that, she's taking care of everybody, She's really on the causative mode, a big time the causative mode. And here I am, like, receiving all of that, which puts me totally in the feminine mode at that point. And, and this could be a danger, actually, in a marriage, because, because if, the, if the husband thinks, well, hey, all this receiving, maybe I'll just keep receiving, So <laughs> she could eventually lose respect because she wants to be married to a male who's a causer. And now us men think, well, hey, we did all that causing out there, man. <laughs> now we're home. You know, we're just going to kick our feet up on the you know, sofa and like uh you know, let you wait on us hand and foot. And cuz like we did that already. You know, men always have this, we did that already. You know? So I did that yesterday. <laughs> so so they they are kind of expecting us uh, there's different times where us men can can have the male role like one thing for sure is men should take care of as much as possible outside the home. I like don't just dump bills and and you know going to offices and municipality stuff and all that don't do not dump that on your wife. and okay? the wife is called in Hebrew she's called the home and so don't. Like, it's okay. You want to dump some stuff, but don't dump everything. And and then the other thing is, um, is other thing men can do is make decisions. Like not that they don't need the wife for that, but to make the final decision makes a wife feel so safe that he made the final decision. It makes her feel safe. And by the way, the man could be like totally faking it, because it could be he's just got issues with decisions. He's just indecisive so he so he just goes secretly to his rebbe or his therapist or whatever it is talks it all out cries it out if he needs to figures out what's the right direction comes home and like a captain of the ship just goes like here we go everybody we're going this way and, and his wife's like I'm so cared for taken care of by my man by my man meanwhile he had nothing to do with this. You know, he, he went and spoke this out with somebody who knows how to like work out these kinds of things. And, but, it's, it, but that's an important thing, is to make sure a man is always fulfilling the, that, that role of causal, causal, the causal role in the relationship. Okay, now, um, I'm not going into a lot of detail on the Shom Ruch and Nefesh right now because what I'd like to do is have all of us get in touch with the with the eye like who is the eye that doesn't show up on an MRI right there's no eye in MRI the, the, the eye doesn't show up there so who is that person and the answer is is that person is your awareness of your awareness the eye is this meta-conscious place that you possess and you, you are in that place and you've always been in that place and it's an interesting place let's all go there together for a moment so everyone right now get aware of being aware get aware of your awareness take a moment and just be aware of your awareness so like for example that you're in this room so that's I'm aware of that awareness I'm aware that I'm a, that of the awareness of being a person so I'm aware of that awareness and who am who am I I mean I'm asking for you so everyone ask yourselves like who am I you know say it out loud but who am I in all of this And the answer is is that I'm a I'm a consciousness and beyond all of the narrative of my life that makes me unique and you really are unique based on your story each one of us has a different story and we're all from different homes, we're from different sibling orders, different parents and stuff, that's all part of your story, but underneath all of that is, is a pure, 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 pure consciousness and we all share that consciousness and so as I look at you throughout the room so my eyes And your eyes meet. And the eyes are the only living organ you can see, really. Because the skin is not alive. That's why you can, like, with a loofah, you know, scour off the outer layer of dead skin without any pain or blood or anything like that. It's dead. And the fingernails aren't alive. That's why you don't feel them when you cut them. And the hair you don't feel when you cut because it's also not alive. The only thing that's really alive is your eyes. And they also never get old. That's why kids are so cute, because they got these big old eyes for a little face. Later, the, as the head grows, it gets more in proportion with the, with the face. But these eyes are the same eyes you had when you were a little baby. And now you're looking out of those eyes, but who is looking at? who is that? Who is that looking out of those eyes? The soul. Yeah, it's the soul. <laughs> that's why they say the eyes are the window of the soul. And so in this quiet space we've created here, we can all get in touch a little bit with that, that consciousness that's eternal in common with all others, selfless, caring, there's no bigotry there, there's no prejudice, there's no selfishness. There's no anger. I mean, think, where would anger come from? It would be all the narrative. Someone's stepping on your narrative. Don't step on my narrative. Someone's stepping on your story. Okay, that makes you angry, but we're not there right now. We're not in the story. We're just in the pure consciousness, so anger wouldn't be very possible. Unless, of course, it would be an anger of evil, where someone who's lost touch, what's evil? Someone who's lost touch, with this consciousness and has gotten greedy, and has gotten selfish. Someone who would be willing to kill for their, for their desires would be evil. Someone who's become somewhat divorced from pure consciousness. Hitler in his own writings, Maximo Vizichoy wrote that he was making war against this consciousness, this metaconsciousness. He liked to say, he liked to say that we are animals. He was a social Darwinist. Social Darwinist means to survive the fittest in social structure, social strata, to get rid of the weaker ones. Why would he choose the Jews? Well, the true reason is because they're Amalekim, we're, we're we're Yisrael. And they're sworn to destroy us. But, but just on a more sociological level, we represent this metaconsciousness which, which is anti-Darwinian because it makes you a giver. You become a giver. You, you actually have less at the end of the day, but you have so much more in your heart from the meaning of having given. But you look, physically, you may have less money because you gave it away to whoever might have needed it. And that's that's anti-Darwinian. Anyway, so that's the consciousness we're in. You have a question back there? Yeah, so what is there a distinction between the consciousness and the soul? There is a distinction, but we're not touching on that right now. Okay. Yeah. So I was just thinking about like Darwinism. And I, meaning I wouldn't make one. I would if you and I were studying Kabbalistic works okay. and it was late Thursday night because I think like, you can take a physical substance that so modifies your consciousness which suggests that our consciousness is emerging out of this physical process right so how is it something that is non-physical if it's, if it's indistinct from the soul which is non-physical uh-huh. so to answer that since you brought it up is that the, the consciousness' only chance to interface with us is through the mind. But the mind, listening to this carefully, the mind is filled with inhibitors to not let us see what's really going on all around us, to see the, to see the spirit world. And But there is a way to get those inhibitors to no longer inhibit the vision. See, everyone thinks their ears are hearing. Your ears aren't hearing. There are animals and birds and different that hear much more than you. Your ears inhibit what you hear. You only get to hear what they're allowing you to hear. What you see, there's so much that you could see right now that you'd all have a cardiac arrest. Literally. Every one of us would have a cardiac arrest if we could see what's going on around us right now. And and so we have these inhibitors so we can have free will and like and also not like you know try to eat our yogurt into our forehead you know you got to you got to navigate and with that spoon so so but if you could really see it you would see so much more so so the consciousness is somewhere in this relationship between the inhibitors and the uninhibited and it's it's a there's a play going on there between them but for sure the consciousness is not physical and it's it it's to it's in the spiritual but our our um um experience of it is very much interfaced with our brain in that the inhibitors are going to be allowing the floodgates in or you know it's all gating and there's a lot of gates there and 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 that gating is just allowing only a, a, mi- a minimal aperture so that we're functional and have free will and can move around the matrix. Shalom, everybody. It was a pleasure. Good Shabbos. Uh, we're not here this week. Uh, we're going up north for my 3 year olds grandson's haircut. Mazal yeah, to. So big deal. You got a sitzis and... Now he's getting his hair cut. And so we're very excited. And first time I've done this with a grandson. So that's great. Awesome. And Mazel uh, Tov. And uh, what else can I tell you? Um, this coming week I'll be back until Wednesday. And then Thursday I'm flying to England. Wow. where We're running the Possible You Seminar for the first time ever in London. What is it called? The Possible You Seminar. The Possible You Seminar. The Possible You. That's my program. And, uh, and that's going to be going on in London. So please... Uh, Get the word out. Rabbi Yom going, going to, going to, to London. I'm in it. Are you going I'll it. be in New York in about a month. Yeah. It's it. good it's stuff. Nice. Okay. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by torahanytime.com.